Father, I'm covering myself, the listeners, and our family members, that we will not get any backlashes from this prayer. In Jesus' name, prepare our heart and mind to receive your rhema word on this morning. Bless your servant for giving us the word of God that we need to hear on this morning. And, Father, we just praise you and we just adore you for all that you are going to do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Father. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. The conference has been muted. Good morning, everyone. Happy um, Palm Sunday to everyone. I, I know that, you know, this is like a, a, a Sunday that, that you don't normally across this, you know, the, the globe we have this, uh, you know, the palms given out on Sunday mornings as we, as we, as we were growing up, you know, uh, we always make this like a cross and all kinds of like things. Uh, every time I come to Charleston and uh, um, you know, go to the beach, I see some of these guys like they use the palm leaves to make flowers, um, like a rose and things like that. It just reminds of like a, uh, the, the Savior coming in to the, to the town uh, on a donkey where all these people have thrown their cloth in the front as, as, a, as a Savior, you know, comes into town. Um, the reason why people were using palm, uh, you know, I was looking for, you know, what got started. It's actually, uh, you know, the Egyptian tradition that uh, the palm was used uh, in the funeral possession, profession uh, as it represents the eternal life. Uh, and also it's like a triumph for entry over death. That, that, that this is an amazing weekend. It's just like, a, you know, sets up a stone and stage for what's going to happen this coming week on a Passion Week. Um, we'll continue to do, and as Ms. Sarah said earlier, uh, what we will do uh, is on the, the Friday, Good Friday, um, we will meditate at the cross. Uh, what happened at the cross, uh, you, you know, um, and uh, we will meet at 3 p.m. on this very same line. And uh, on Sunday morning, um, there's like a lot of, uh, you know, conversations we had about like, uh, should we keep it at the 8.30 or like at 8? You know, uh, some like uh, were talking about the sunrise service. So to just like uh, make it unique, we will go to 6 a.m. next weekend. Um, yeah, on Sunday morning, we will have a 6 a.m. Eastern. So some of you on the Central, it's like a 5 uh, a.m. So it's okay. The, the, the sun rises early, um, you know, for everyone. Uh, and so hopefully, like, uh, you're able to join next weekend um, at 6 a.m. Uh, on the same line, okay? With that said, we are going to go back to the tabernacle, there's still like a, some more lingering stuff that we started to talk about this altar of incense. I'm going to read uh, a verse from, a couple of verses from Exodus chapter 30, if you have your Bibles. 
let's go to Exodus chapter 30. And uh, we will go to verse 7. So far, while you're you know, getting to Exodus 30, here's what we have seen, right? Um, we've seen like a, the, the Holy of Holies. We have seen the mercy seat. We have seen the, the Ark of the Covenant. We have seen like a, what is inside the Ark of the Covenant. We have just come out of the Holy of Holies into this holy place. And we've seen in the holy place the, the table of showbread. We've seen the light. And now we are at the altar of incense. This is, these are the three furnishings that are in the tabernacle. And I was just watching this weekend, um, you know, some of the replica that they have built uh, in, in uh, uh, Israel with the exact same spec that God gave. It was just like so beautiful to watch because the, the information that they're sharing is exactly like what we have been talking about in this line for the last seven, eight weeks, right? So with that said, verse 7 says, Aaron, he's the high priest, right? Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning when he tends the lamps. And he shall burn incense on it. Right. And when Aaron lights the lamp at twilight, which is at night, he shall burn incense on it. A perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generation. You shall not offer strange incense on it or, or a burnt offering or a grain offering nor shall you pour a drink offering on it and Aaron shall make atonement upon its horn once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement once a year he shall make atonement upon it throughout your generation. It is most holy to the Lord. Amen. Um, the, the thing is, we have seen so far that altar of incense represents a prayer life or a prayer. Right? We have seen so far how prayer is a conversation with God and it should be made without ceasing because it says in there, that the, the chief priest, when they come into the tabernacle, whether it is a morning or an evening, a perpetual offering of prayer has to be there. Perpetual offering of the incense needs to be there. And the, and the Institute of Tabernacle, um, the, there is a study that is being um, made over this um, furnishing. They say like the, 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 the different incense and the, what they were doing over the years that they were putting it. But God says, don't put, don't put like a, anything that I haven't asked you to put in that. So that's why we were taking like a little bit of a detour of that part and just like it start to talk about like a, the different facets of prayer. Last week, we knew all along. I mean, is, is the meditation on prayer new? No, absolutely not. We've heard like 
hundreds of messages on prayer. We've heard the, the, uh, or read so many books and materials on prayer. But again, it's really good to just like come back to this subject because it is one of the most important, uh, you know, element of this Christian walk. This is a, one of the powerful weapons uh, every believer carries. And so last week we saw some of the basic principles under which we need to operate when it comes to prayer and how God operates when it comes to prayer. We saw the number one thing was when we go before the Lord in prayer, before we go to the Lord in prayer, we need to make peace with God. We cannot be angry with God. We cannot have like a, a, you know, a doubt with God. If there is anything that is out there that we have put it underneath the rug, we just need to pull it up because God wants to make sure that when we go before him, we have no barrier between us and him, no filters between us and him. That's why in the amplified version of Isaiah chapter 27, verses 5, it says, let him cling to my strength and rely on my protection, my stronghold. He shall make peace with me. Twice, he says, he shall make a peace with me. God sometimes, like he uses the same word twice. Moses, Moses, Peter, Peter. You know, he, he gets into this mode of like wanting us to pay attention to. So we, we talk about making peace with God. And then we talk about like, a, you know, how our prayers are heard very immediately. Uh, we saw the example of like a, where when Daniel was praying for 21 days and the angel comes down and the angel says, God heard your prayer on the very first day. Sometimes we are, we are thinking, God, maybe, maybe you're not hearing what I'm telling you. God, God, you know, I, I just don't understand that, that you haven't really addressed my issue, and I'm coming to you every day with this, right? And we saw how, even the first week also, and last week we saw in Revelation chapter 8, it says, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel hands, right? So every time we open our mouth, even before we open our mouth, what is there in our heart is actually tilted, and, and, and that prayer is actually offered into this altar of incense, right? Then we, we saw the third one, which is like a prayers transfers his strength to our strength. We saw how the Isaiah chapter 40, 31, that talks about when we wait, he shall renew our strength and we will mount up the wings like an eagle and we will run and not weary and walk and not faint. And a couple of verses earlier, we saw how God, the everlasting God, the creator of the heaven and the earth, never faints nor is weary, right? And that's what he wants to transfer 
into our hands. When we go to him with prayer, God says, leave that with me. Don't, you don't need to worry about, you know, the decibels that I need to create for the walls of Jericho to come down. That's my job. You don't need to worry about the air that needs to come to split the Red Sea. That's my job. You don't need to worry about the rain that needs to come. That's my job. All we need to do is to take peace when we offer our prayer because, you know, he says he will transfer that. And we need to have that peace. And then we saw everything that we do and say, we need to ask in the name of Jesus. When we pray, it pleases God when he hears the names, name of his son. Did you know the most sweetest thing that you and I can hear on this earth is? Do you know what is the most sweetest thing that you can hear in this world? It's not the Krispy Kreme donuts. And it's not the Dunkin' Donuts either. It's your name. When someone calls your name, that's the most sweetest thing that you and I can hear. If someone calls you, Brenda, Sarah, Fred Lee, this is like, you know, when, when someone calls your name, that is the most sweetest thing that you can hear. When you are sleeping in the night and someone wakes you up, and if they happen to wake you up with your name, your brain already gets the sweetness already aligned. When you are going to talk into a meeting, and in the meeting, if that meeting happens to be a tough meeting, that you need to walk into, you can actually throw the name of the person right in the middle of your conversation. Terry, this is what I think, or Katina, this is what I want. When you start to throw the, the name, that is the most sweetest thing that one can hear in this earth. And God says, when you use my son's name, that's the most sweetest thing I can hear. Right? And the Bible says in John chapter 16, right? he says, whatever you ask the Father, Jesus is saying, whatever you ask the Father in my name, and he, when my Father hears my name, it's going to melt him like the Krispy Kreme donut. Right? And so, then we, we saw about how we need to be passionate about our prayer. We need to have a fervency in our prayer. We saw that in James chapter 5, the uh, effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. Right? And we saw the various facets of like a, what you know, the, the prophet was doing last week. And that's how we ended Today, we're going to look at the different types of prayer that the Bible talks about. There are so many verses that it, it, it just talks about, like, the, you know, various things that I've, I've done some research uh, online and, uh, you know, looked at some of the materials um, in YouTube and everything. They're talking about, like, a seven types of prayer, nine types of prayer. 
All those are good. But this morning, I want to condense all of that into just the two, two types for us to simply remember this uh, in prayer. When it comes to prayer, right, there are two types is all I can think of. All of the other things, like uh, uh, we, we can just like bring it under this too. One of them is praying with our sandals on, praying with our shoes on, right? And the second one is praying with our sandals off. Those are two kinds. Let me tell you, um, you know, what they are, uh, and uh, we'll see how it flows today, okay? What do you mean by praying with your sandals on, right? When I'm going to work, right, I need to put my shoes on. I need to have my sandals on. I'm not going to go to Bank of America uh, with my bare feet. I'm just going to have shoes. I'm going to have well-dressed. I'm going into um, work, right? Uh, when you are going into, you know, buying something, when you're going into, um, you know, on, on the streets. In fact, in Arizona, if you don't wear shoes when you're driving, you can get a ticket. Um, so the thing is, when we go into certain types of prayer, uh, like the prayer of incense, it is, it is kind of like the hard work. Some of these prayers, have you ever felt like, oh, my God, I'm praying and praying and praying. This is not coming through. I'm putting more energy behind it, right? It's still not like working, right? Jesus says to his disciples when they came back and said, like, Jesus, we called upon this 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 spirit to leave the body and it wasn't going out and he says unless you fast and pray some of these things are not going to come out unless you put some work behind it and the prayer of incense intercession sorry prayer of intercession is hard it's work if if the enemy would just like leave that place, who had the control of that place, who, who had the, the claws all over that person, you're trying to push and push and push and push to get into the mill. He's going to resist. So it's going to take work. That's like the prayer with your sandals on. And the thing is this, when we get on our knees, when we cry out to God, God knows that's a fight. That's a wrestling match. God knows that we are fighting against the flesh and the blood. We are fighting against the principalities and the powers of darkness. Right? God knows that we need to have the shoes on to crush the head of this enemy that we want to go after. You cannot bear fruit. Step on the enemy. You need to bind that enemy. You, you, you need to go after this enemy. Sometimes the battle is so intense because you're fighting for the salvation of the loved ones in your family. Sometimes you, when you are going and asking God to pray as in, in prayer for the 
the lost souls, the enemy fights back because he has the claw in their life. When you're praying for your son or a daughter, or when you're praying for your brother or sister, when you're praying for your husband or wife to love the Lord and give their life to Christ, it is work. It is something that we are wrestling with our enemy. Praying for the ministries, like Proverbs 26, fighting for the children whose parents are in prison. It is going to exhaust you personally because it's going to be a work, like you go to work, right? We have to remember to fast and pray. Here's the thing. All that I have said so far right, is, is, is like a, a prayer with the boots on, is, is mainly towards interceding for somebody's life. Right? There was a moment in time that God was really upset with the people living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Right? And he was going to send... The, the, he was going to destroy that whole town because it was almost like a, he quarantined all those people in one place and he was going to destroy them all. Right? But before he destroys, in verse 17 of Genesis 18, the Lord was contemplating. God was like, mm, before I do that, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do. This is exact words from verse 17 of Genesis 18. Chapter 18, verse 17 says, God is contemplating, shall I say this to Abraham? What I'm going to do? Right? What is God doing? God knows these people have done wrong. God knows the punishment is necessary. God knows this is the end for the people living in Sodom and Gomorrah. But then he says, shall I say this to Abraham? Why? Because God knows Abraham is a guy with his sandals on, the shoes on all the time. God knows the intercessors. God knows the ones that are constantly praying. God knows, oh my God, I... I am going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to destroy. The enemy has a control over that man or a woman. Enemy is already doing everything he can to destroy their life. Shall I remind my people? Shall I remind the Abraham? Shall I remind him about what? I'm going to do or what the enemy is going to do. The prayer of intercession, right, comes to us sometimes in the middle of the night. Why? Because God, before he destroys them or before he allows the enemy to, to, to have control over them, he's reminding you of the person because he knows you are the ones with the sandals on. He knows that you will be quick to get to prayer. Not all people 
have the spirit of intercession upon them. There are only few in this earth that stands in the gap and pray like the world is going to end right now, God, unless you step into this. God knows the intercessors. If God reminds you in the middle of the night, if God reminds you while you're driving to work, if God reminds you of someone, he's not reminding you because you want to have a conversation with them, because he wants to talk to the Abraham who has his boots on. God knows the guy who, who would get on his knees in a moment's notice. He knows you and I will quicken to go before the Lord when we get reminded of someone. Right? And, and later in that chapter, just like what God was contemplating to tell Abraham or not, if I go to the verse 22, Genesis 18, Verses 22, when, when everybody has left, the Bible says, then the men, the men turned away from there and went towards somewhere, uh, Sodom, right? When everybody is just like gone, the Bible says, Abraham still stood before God. God knows the ones who have the sandals on, right? Because we will constantly will stay in the presence of God. And the thing is this, this, this uh, Friday I had a chance to talk to somebody. His name is John. Uh, he works in Bank of America. And he told me, uh, and he was thanking this team, actually, Ms. Sarah, Ms. Brenda, and uh, the whole group that is uh, prayer warriors who come and pray for the people. He was thanking them because he said, like, uh, that one afternoon, Right? He was talking to his sister, and the sister said, John, I'm done. I'm going to be with the Lord. This COVID is just like taking everything out of me right now. I don't think I will make it through this. Right? And his heart became very heavy, and he just sent a note, and the note was placed in the presence of the prayer warriors. And he said, it was the afternoon that I spoke to my sister, right? And I sent this prayer request out. And the people were starting to pray. And uh, he said that his sister, right after speaking to him, went to sleep. And uh, when she woke up from the sleep, John said she was a different person. It was like a night and day. And she got released from the hospital the next day, and she went home. Why? Because there were a group of people with their shoes on was going before the Lord in prayer, right? And that's what Abraham was in verse 22. Abraham came near and said to the Lord, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you destroy, would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? And 
Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you shall not the judge of all the earth to do right. He was wrestling with God at this moment for the children of Sodom and Gomorrah. He's saying, God, if there is like a 50 people among the 500,000 that is there, would you still destroy the city of Sodom and Gomorrah? And look what God is saying. God said, if I find the Sodom, in Sodom, 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sake. Sometimes we are not on the right side of the wrong. We do wrong things. But when, when we go before God and say, God, just show your mercy one more time in my life. God, I, I haven't been right on this thing. I have fallen in this area. I have done wrong. Because God is a God of righteous. God is a God who restores. God is a God who wants to renew our strength. Right? And he says, okay, I'll spare if there is 50. Then he goes back and says, what about if there is 45? Will you destroy? God says, okay. If you find 45, I won't. And he says, God, just like one more time, what about 40 people? God says, okay, if there is 40, I'll do it. Oh, my God, sorry, God, let me ask one more time. What about 30 people that you destroy? God says, okay, if there is 30, I will not destroy. He says, God, just like one time, let me ask one more time. What about 20? What about 10? God says, I will not destroy if I find him. What was Abraham doing? He was wrestling with God. He was fighting with the, the very fact that God is going to destroy. Right? And, and God wasn't tired of Abraham's prayer because God knows he's not asking for his own strength or his own glory or for his own kingdom. He's asking for somebody else, right? And in fact, later, you know, when it comes to Ezekiel, God says in Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 30, I sought, meaning I looked for a man among them, among these people, right? Among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. God is seeking for the Abraham who has their boots on, their shoes on, their sandals on, they're ready, they're quick. And in First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1, you know, the Bible says, Paul, when he writes, it says, like, for everyone, you know, the, you know, make intercession for everyone. Keep your prayer list for the loved ones. You have no idea 
what you would have averted in their life. You need to keep an account of all those people that God has placed in, in your presence, in your life. Write down the names of the people. You have no idea what battle they are going through, but God knows you are the Abraham with the boots on. Right? And in the whole chapter of John 17, it's about Jesus praying on behalf of every believer and every one that is closer to him, his disciples, his apostles. God is just like a, you know, talking about the prayer and the, the importance of prayer in John chapter 17. In fact, you know, if, if, if you can just like a pull yourself and think about the ones that are on the boots on, it, they're like the mechanics, right? What does a good mechanic get? They get like a, you know, bunch of broken cars, right? That's who you are. You're just going to constantly get people that you can be praying for. But if that's all you're doing, then you are in trouble, and I'm in trouble. After a while, we will be exhausted. It's almost like this prayer life or, or our life is like a cup of cop, coffee that we get from Starbucks or any of these coffee shops, right, where each one of us is given a cup of coffee. And the coffee that is like the grace that you have in your cup, and if you're starting to pour, if someone comes during the day and says, oh, I have a backache, and so you pour some coffee on their cup because they don't have enough coffee, then someone comes and says, oh, my son, is is just like you know uh, taking this girl who's not right. Oh, let me pray for you. So you pour some coffee on their cup, right? And then you go and someone comes and says, "Oh, my my sister is is got like a a, a, a broken car." So you just like to pour some coffee into their cup, right? So you're constantly praying and pouring coffee on different people's cup. If you don't get the cup refilled. After a while, you're going to actually put the dirt, you're going to pour dirt on people. Sometimes the people who are praying can easily get like a angry. They, they're, they, they're easily like a, over, like a, a small thing. They're just like a bursting open. Those are symbols that your cup is empty. This is, a, this is something that the people on boots and shoes and sandals need to remember that if all you're doing is praying for somebody and not getting a refill, then your prayer life and my prayer life is in trouble. It's not that I'm not saying that you need to be getting off those shoes, but there's got to be a time that you have to take your shoes off. Twice in the Bible, God talks about removing the sandals one time to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, and the second time to Joshua in Joshua chapter 5. And in both places, God was very particular about removing the shoes. There's got to be a time that we need to remove that shoes, the sandals and the boots off when we go before the Lord. That one is not for anybody else, but for you. Unless you have the mask on yourself.
off, you cannot give it to somebody else. You gotta put the the, the just like in the planes when they talk about like the the safety measures, they will say that put the mask on yourself first before you can help somebody else. That's what the the removing of the sandals does to you and me. In Exodus chapter thirty, verses two to five, it says the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses, right, appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush, right? One day, Moses was just like going on a normal route, tending his sheep. As he was coming through a bend, he saw a bush that was burning, right? There was a flame in that. And there was something unique about this. And so he tries, he looked at this burning bush and and the bush wasn't consumed. The fire was there, but the bush is not burning. So he wanted to see what it is. So Moses said, to, Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. The thing is this. There are moments in time. Right? Here, Moses is not talking to anybody. If anybody that is there is the sheep. So Moses is not talking to the sheep. Moses is talking to himself, right? You know the time when your cup is getting empty. It could be the middle of the day. It could be the end of the day. It could be the evening. It doesn't matter when it is. You need to tell yourself, I'm going to go look at this bush. And when the Lord saw that you know, he turned aside and looked. God called it to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is a holy ground. This is not the physical location that God is talking about this is the place where you and I are in the journey with the Lord right now. This is not the geographical location. God says you have gone through enough in your life. You have done enough prayers. You have gone through the ups and downs. Now it's time for you to remove the sandal. When we take the sandals off, then the very first thing, you have to remember where Moses is right now. He's on the mountain. If he removes the sandal, he's not going to be able to run. If he's taking the sandals off, and if he's going to start walking, the stones and the thorns and thistles will get on his feet. God knows that this is a time to wake up early in the morning when nobody is up. This is the time that you and I need to just like remove everything that the world has made, that we are not standing upon what the world has made. What we are right now is, is what you see is what you get. That's the kind of like a moment that we need to get to. And this is where all of the prayers other than the intercession comes into play 
This is the place where we have the prayer of adoration, the prayer of thanksgiving, prayer of worship, prayer of confession, prayer of supplication. This is the place where we need to be in awe of being in the presence of God. Sometimes you don't even need to say anything, but just like a show up. God says, just be there. Quiet yourself. Be still. Don't think about anything. This is a time just you and me. This is a personal conversation that we need to have. Jesus secluded himself so many times to go to the mountain so he can spend time without walking. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he goes, he leaves everybody out when he got on his knees and, and prayed to the God to remove the cup. He was completely barren, open. And he says, God, if it's your will, let this cup be removed. Right? This this prayer of adoration, the prayer of thanksgiving happens, you know, only when we are not having any agenda, when we go before God. And God says, like, you and I need that. That's what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything. If you feel in your heart restlessness, know that your cup is empty. If you feel like... A, you're, you're, you're running into a situation and you're not able to think straight, know that your cup is empty. Right? And God says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Everything is in one place. You don't need, we cannot separate thanksgiving. We cannot separate worship. We cannot separate the adoration. We cannot separate the vulnerability that we have. We cannot separate the sin that's happening in our life. We cannot separate any of these things. Those are the moments I'm going to take my shoes off and I'm going to go before God. We are sitting, just sitting in a place and in communion with God. We're speaking to God about what is going on, and God will speak back to you. He's the God who will answer your question. He is ready to talk and, and, and just give you the time. This is like God knows that the Bible says, like, you know, when, when he saw his people waiting, the Bible says in Isaiah 64, no eyes have seen, no ears have heard a God besides you from the days of the past or the future. Nobody has seen a God like this who acts for those who wait on him. Thomas is saying, you know, he inclined his ears when God was just like, you know, watching over, right? He will listen when we quiet ourselves. It could be in the middle of the day. It could be, you know, you can be in the middle of a crowded street or a crowded hotel or a crowded train station and you can still have this long time with God. It's just like a put, it's time to stand still. 
Sometimes it happens when you go to him in the morning when no one is up or the, the times that you stand with him where the time is, is, is just also standing still and there is no boundaries at this point. At this point, all you have in your conscious, in your mind, is only God and you don't see anyone else. There is a oneness we can actually be with God in the midst of our hurricane. We can be in the eye of the hurricane and still have our eyes look up to him. Part of winning the spiritual battle is praying at all times in the spirit. We've seen that in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18. When we did that whole study in the book of Ephesians, we saw that, you know, God is, God is saying, you need to be a man of prayer. We, we saw on Friday night about a man named Homie. I'm going to give a very quick a glimpse of that one. And the thing is, this, there was a period between the Old and New Testament, about 400 years, there was nothing that was happening. Right? And God wasn't speaking to anybody. And during this time, there was a, a period during this time where the children of Israel was completely under distress because they didn't have a rain for days and months and years. And so they go to this man named Homi. This story of Homi is actually rehearsed uh, even in synagogues, even today. And there is, a, there is a historian named Josephus has written about it because it's not in the Bible. So don't go looking for Homi in the Bible. Right? But this is a historical proof. This man was a man of prayer. So they went to him as a last resort, right? Because they know he's a man with the boots on. And so what Homie did is like he came to the middle of their town and he made a big circle. And then he got on his knees in the middle of the circle and he started to pray. Days after he started praying, there was like a showers of rain started to come. When they saw the showers come, the people were rejoicing and celebrating. Oh, my God, we got like the showers of rain. But as they were celebrating, they turned around and looked. This man named Homie didn't leave the circle. He's still with his head bowed down on his knees crying out. And God saying, God, this is not the rain I prayed for. Sometimes we leave the circle of prayer when we got like a little bit of an answer and we just like leave the entire battlefield and go on to do our work. And God says and reminds us this morning with the story of Homie, you and I should not be leaving the circle of prayer when we get like a small drops of rain coming down. Then there was a lot of rain that... In fact, that Josephus, when he wrote, he says it's almost as big as like an egg was coming down from heaven and that the, the skies were just like a pouring and that the, the place was getting flooded and the people were running to the mount, uh, you know, to hide themselves. But the man named Homi 
never left this circle of prayer. And he was telling God, this is not the rain that I pray for that destroys the land. I was praying for the rain that is graceful and gentle and allows the crops to grow, bring life back into this earth. And at that time, God just sent a gentle rain. And you can Google this man named Homi, H-O-M-I. And this is the thing. This man was not leaving the circle when it was like a few drops, nor when it was flooding. But he was praying very specifically. When we pray before God, we have to be very specific. When, when Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus, he didn't just like to say, hey, you behind that stone, come out. He called him out by name and said, Lazarus, come out. I'm going to leave you this morning with the five things to pray for this week for yourself. This is not for everybody else. This is not the boots on prayer. This is the boots off prayer. Five things. Number one, pray for God's perspective in your life. Sometimes we don't really know what God wants in your life and my life. Sometimes when things happen, we we are distorted. But in the middle of your distortion, ask God for his perspective. In the second Kings chapter 6, we see an incident where the, there was an army of people that were in the, in the, in the mountain, um, you know, foothills of a mountain where the, the prophet Elisha and his servant were. And they were trying to get this prophet down, right? And, and the, the servant comes running to the prophet and says like, a, oh my God, we are going to die. These people are out there. And Elisha prayed to God saying, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. What was prophet doing? He was changing the perspective of that servant. Get God's perspective in everything that you and I are going through. Don't, you know, get or or, or, or don't leave God's big picture over the temporal situation that you and I may go through. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Look for God's perspective. Number two. We saw this last week as well. Pray for his strength in your life. Don't wait for something to happen before you ask God to strengthen you. There was an ice factory that was caught on fire, right? They had all the water in the world inside those rooms. Only thing was those waters were frozen 
and was of no use. A lot of times we have the strength to fight this enemy, but when it is frozen, it's of no use. When the, when the things starts to happen, you just like get frozen because of what is happening externally. And so before anything happens, you need to pray for God's strength to be shown. Use the word like Isaiah 40 and say, God, you said you will renew my strength like the wings of an eagle. David prayed when he was in distress, he was asking God about help. And in in 1 Samuel 30, he says, the Bible says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. No weapon formed against you can prosper as long as you have that free will to just like get out there and fight this enemy. So number two, pray for his strength in your life. Number three, pray for expanding your territory. There was a man named Jabez in First Chronicle chapter 4, verses 10. He cries out to God and says, Oh God, that you would bless me. Enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. What was Jabez praying? Jabez was praying for God to expand the territory. Earlier this week, uh, uh, we had a board meeting. I was just talking to them about uh, this ornamental fish named koi, right? This fish, the koi fish, this is a Japanese ornamental fish. When you put this fish on a tank, like a four-feet tank or something like that, the, the, the fish can only grow four inches tall. But if you take the same fish and you put them in a pond, it can grow up to 22 inches long. This very same fish, when it was put on a larger, you know, place like the pond, it can grow up to 22 feet, I mean 22 inches, right? And if you take the same fish, koi fish, and you put it on a lake, the koi fish can grow up to four feet tall and 35 pounds. What is happening to this fish is that it is sourcing the energy from their environment. A lot of times we need to pray like a Jabez to expand the territory. I don't know what God has for you. God has a bigger plan for you and me. In fact, this week, we got a news from Texas that we are, like a Proverbs 26, is allowed to go to any prison in Texas. We now have access to 250,000 inmates and over half a million children. It's not that Texas don't have good people, nor the churches, nor the people have the ministries on. They definitely do have it. They do have that environment. We bring in a fresh perspective into this battlefield. We're going to kick the enemy's gut so hard that it's going to hurt our enemies. We're coming to Texas. In a, in, 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 in a, a loud noise, we will come into that towns of 
Texas. We will go after these prisons. God is opening doors beyond measure this week. There was a man who has done a many, many criminal justice reform, joined the Proverbs 2 to 6. So just recently, he finished doing, you know, a, a, a basic criminal justice reform in South Dakota where it saved the state of South Dakota $200 million by reducing 25% of the inmates in that state is joining Proverbs 26. Why? Because God is just like extending the borders. He's seeing that this koi fish can grow 4 feet and 35 pounds. He knows that this koi fish can source the energy. God has the same thing for your life and my life. When we give the God that control and ask him to expand the territories. Number four, ask for the filling of God's presence in your day. Throughout the day, you're going to be running and running into hurdles and challenges. But here's the thing. When you carry the presence of God throughout your day, you will not be exhausted. When you stay in the presence of God, he will lift your burdens off. He will make things go smooth. People will be attracted towards you. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. When we start to give more time to God than the Facebook time that we have, when we give God the more time than the time we spend on LinkedIn's and Instagram's, we are seeking his presence. The man, you know, the things for the man will get harder and harder throughout the day. But God says, when you are sold out for me, I'm sold out for you. When you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. When you give your time to me, I'll give my time to you. That's number four. Fill your day with the presence of God. And lastly, pray for godly people in your life. Pray for your dream team. Pray for someone that you can have in your life where you can be vulnerable and not judged. God owns everything. God has everything. God knows that you need help. And God knows I need help. God knows everyone needs help. There is no man that can be an island in his kingdom. We need to source our energy from each other. In California, there is a kind of tree that grows called redwood trees. These redwood trees, like when you think about like any tree that is growing taller, like if it grows three feet tall, the characteristic of trees is that the roots need to go three feet. If, if the tree is growing like a, you know, 50 feet, then the roots need to go down, straight down 50 feet, right? Whereas these redwood trees that has a life of over 100, 200, 500 years of growth that grows like a 10-story tall only has three feet of root going down. California 
is filled with the hurricanes and uh, thunderstorms and uh, and uh, earthquakes and things like that. But these trees are time and time again standing up 50, 60-story tall trees with just three feet of roots. You know why? Because the roots of the redwood trees don't go down, but they go sideways. They go sideways and hold on to the roots of the next redwood tree. That tree will go on to the next redwood tree and hold on to the roots. And sometimes when you go to the top of this tree, you cannot even see the end of the roots that are going sideways because they are holding on so far out. And God is saying, pray that you will hold on to the roots of the next person that's standing by you. You and I are built for relationship. You and I are built to have stronger men and women of God in this life to hold on to. When our life gets like really rough, we're holding on to the roots of the next. And when their life gets like abandoned or weakened or vulnerable, they hold on to your roots and we source energy from each other and we provide energy to each other. The Bible says like the iron sharpens the iron, we need to sharpen each other. Five things that I talked about that if you can remember to pray this week for yourself when your boots are off. Number one, pray for God's perspective. Number two, pray for his strength to renew your strength. Don't wait for the problem. Number three, pray for God to expand his territory in your life. Pray for his presence in your life. And last, pray for godly people to be intersected with you and me. Praise the Lord, Brother Vince. Amen, Cyril. Thank you. Cyril, Cyril, Sarah, Sarah. That's how he called the Moses, Moses at the burning bush. It's the sweetest thing we can hear when we hear our name called. And it's a pleasure when Christ and God calls us by name. Are we praying with our sandals on? Are we praying with our sandals off? Two types of prayers we heard about today. Praying with our sandals on is effort, work, petition, intercessory prayer. Are we praying on our knees, fighting that wrestling match? It's so convicting and educational that it's that it forces a behavior change in all of us, that we are intentional about our prayers and that we plan throughout our day to pray with our sandals on on behalf of others, that this is a fight, a fight not against flesh and blood. This is a fight, an invisible fight against rulers and principalities, just like what Abraham had did on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah and what God was going to reveal to him. Does God call you a friend like he called Abraham? Are you, are you praying with your sandals off? Is your cup empty? We pray, 
you know, that's something we have to take care of ourselves. He says, take care of yourself because without his strength, we are nothing. And he meets you right where we're at. We are prayer for adoration, for gratitude, thanksgiving, and worship, and supplication, where there's no agenda, just you and him, no matter if you're in a crowded mall, crowded train, a crowded bus, uh, he's with you. If you're anxious, if you're full of worry, he's still with you, no matter who's around. We could, uh, and don't leave that circle of prayer until, even though you see the first sign, that we continue, that our prayers are specific. And as as one thing, the last thing with you is the five things to pray for, as the Cyril said. Please keep them, write them down, look at them every morning, look at them every evening, and just glow in the the incense of of our prayers to our Lord. Thank you, Sarah. Amen. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, rebellion, or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children, having received you into our hearts and lives and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covers us for all time, and our desire is to live for you. As we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who receive you. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life, now and eternal life forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. And in the same way, we take this cup representing your blood poured out from a splinted cross. You are the supreme sacrifice for all of our sin past, present, and future. Today, we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood you spill. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 The things that Jesus did for us, and we're going to read and listen and just like a watch over this coming week, which is the Passion Week. All these verses that are in the Bible, the communion that we celebrate, all happened the first time when Jesus sat down with his disciples the night before he was crucified. He sat down with them, and he was having dinner with them. And at that dinner table, he was saying, I am actually wanting to make a new covenant with you, this covenant that I'm going to make with you with my body and my blood. Right? As we go through this week, I'm, this Passion Week, I'm encouraging you, if you get a chance and if you're able to, to just spend some time in prayer, some time in just remembering this new covenant. And the Bible says, like a, 
you know, in the book of John, nearly six, seven, eight chapters were written just from that last night's event towards the end, right? But here in Luke chapter 22, it says that when, when he was about to finish, you know, the, the washing of the feet has happened and uh, he's sitting down to talk and he says, this is my body given for you. And he broke the bread with them. He says, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and take the bread. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Take the, the drink that, that just reminds us of the covenant that he has made with you and me. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 God, we come before. The conference has been unmuted. In the presence of your holy. Yes. And the altar of incense, O oh God. Yes. Father, pray that you will be blessed.